Hello and welcome to the Anthems Podcast. I'm Patrick and today I'm going to try and tell you the story of a song that helps to tell the story of a nation. If you're listening to this, I'm optimistic that it's the beginning of a trend. So, thanks. And welcome to Episode 3, The Republic of North Macedonia. Today's anthem is Danas Nad Macedonia. It is brought to you by the very fun webpage, random.country. And the thing does what it says. It's probably a pseudo-random generated number that picks from an alphabetical list. But it spit out North Macedonia. So, uh, that's what we've got. I'll include a link to the webpage in the show notes. Like most of the anthems and associated countries, there is essentially nothing in my head about the country officially called the Republic of North Macedonia or its national anthem. I only knew that a place called Macedonia existed and that it was probably near Greece. It's a lot of fun, and I just realized, the morning that I'm writing this sentence anyway, that I think I like doing a show like this because I enjoy doing homework, and some listeners right now are recoiling in horror, but... Learning stuff doesn't need to be a reason every time, uh, right? Otherwise, even less people would listen to my show. So, moving on with the story of Dennis Nod Macedonia, but you know what's got to happen first, so we will listen to 2 minutes and 30 seconds of the anthem to vibrate your eardrums a little bit, and I will see you after that.
initial impression of the song was that it felt like a pronouncement, uh, sort of like triumphant bursting forth. And the first two lines translate as, Today over Macedonia is born, the new son of liberty. So, that feeling, it kind of tracks for me. Musically speaking, it is another that leaves me feeling fairly not challenged listening to it. But I think that it does all the right things, and it's good because it is short. And uh, that works with the pacing of it for me. The story of the Macedonian National Anthem is intertwined with the independence movement of the country. It's another one of those common themes that I've been running into. The song was written at very nearly the culmination of a struggle to maintain cultural identity that began as far back as the 4th century BCE. We're not going to go back anywhere nearly that far. I'm not doing hardcore history. We only need to rewind back to 1903 to get to where I want to start the story. But first, we're going to take a look at what the region looks like now, and then I can explain the chain of events that led to the anthem being chosen. The Republic of Northern Macedonia, which I will refer to as Macedonia since most of the people who live there do that as well, is a southwestern European country. And if you're looking at a map of Europe, you start at the heel of Italy's boot, you go slightly northwest to the shore and just past Albania, which is the first country you'll find. It's a mountainous landlocked country, bordered to the north by Serbia, Kosovo to the northwest, Bulgaria to the east, on the south is Greece, and Albania is to the west. Macedonia's current geographical boundaries were centrally laid out millennia ago, and roughly correspond to those of the 6th century BCE kingdom of Paeonia. They were a people referred to by Homer in the Iliad as allies of Troy. And the modern country covers about 9,928 square miles, has a population of roughly 1.9 million people, Despite being landlocked and mountainous, it hosts more than 50 lakes. Uh, Macedonia has the distinction of being a former member of the Socialist Federation of Yugoslavia, uh, which is interesting because up until reading for this, I thought Yugoslavia was a country and just part of the USSR. But I have come to discover that it's more like the kid brother of the USSR. This smaller Soviet Socialist Republic broke apart at about the same time between 1989 and 1991, and that was the event that finally granted Macedonian independence. But we need to start at the other end of the century, because I'm getting ahead of myself again, which I do a lot here. Now, as I said earlier, we're going to start with 1903 and the linden prio Brazini Uprising. This was a rebellion that was led by mostly Macedonian-Bulgarian group called the Internal Macedonian Revolutionary Organization, or uh, IMHO, because revolutionaries are always incredibly wordy when they name stuff. Uh, so this group's rebellious action established a very short-lived Crusevo Republic. This was the people's first taste of independence, and despite being a republic that lasted just 10 days before the Ottoman Empire mercilessly crushed them, the rebellion is considered by many to be the foundational cultural event of the modern country. In fact, the names that we hear in Denesnad Macedonia are the names of revolutionaries from the IMHO, but put a pin in that one. Despite not having success at gaining independence, the group stayed active and changed and split in accordance with what was happening in the region. 
When the composer of our anthem's music, Todor Skalavsky, was born in 1909, Macedonia was entering another period of upheaval, and there are a lot of periods of political upheaval in the country's history. This one was the dissolution of the Ottoman Empire. It happened between 1909 and 1922, when in November the Turkish Grand Assembly formally dissolved the Sultanate and ended the Ottoman rule that had been in power since 1299 CE. The final treaty that dissolved the empire was the result of another major event that occurred in the region at the time, World War I. During the war, most of northern Macedonia was referred to as the Military Inspection Zone of Macedonia, and it was subject to an intensely wretched period of forced bulgarization. I feel very little need to discuss uh, the details of bulgarization other than to state its place in the timeline, but in case you don't know what it means... It is a specific type of denaturalization where an invading or occupying country attempts to commit cultural genocide. Maybe the worst part is that the Bulgarians were doing exactly the same thing that the Serbians were doing before they invaded and would do again as soon as they were back in power. Repetitive patterns of ethnic hatred are something you read a lot about if you are reading accurate history. The Allies won the war and Macedonia went back under Serbian control and was organized into the newly formed Kingdom of Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes, which was renamed into the Kingdom of Yugoslavia in 1929. In 1919, at the very beginning of this newly reformed Serbian kingdom in the city of Struga, our poet Vlado Maleski was born. He attended primary school in Škoderover, in Albania and went to high school back in Macedonia in a city called Bitola. Vlado went on to study law in Belgrade, that's the Serbian capital, but had to cut his education there short because World War II happened. After the war, and chiefly because of the type of revolutionary activism that he was involved with in the years running up to the war, his role would be a bit different. The sources I've gathered were not at all clear about what specific group or groups he was in, but before we talk about what happened after the war, I'm going to catch up Todor and the rest of the region to Maleski. During the same stretch of time that Vlodor was participating in the growing communist movement in the region, while completing his education, our composer was also finishing his music education in Belgrade and then sharpening his conducting ability at the Mozartarium. He ended up being the founder and first chief conductor of the Macedonian Philharmonic after World War II was over. Now, I couldn't find any information about Todor's political affiliation or whether or not he was an active participant in the resistance to fascism and the rise of communism in Macedonia, but my guess is that he had to at least be a little involved because he wrote the music for the national anthem. Uh, as always, if somebody knows more, please let me know, and I will add it to the list of corrections. The Communist International, or Comintern, saw an opportunity to sharpen up their presence in Yugoslavia during this period. They consistently endorsed the idea of an independent Macedonian state, and they even went so far as to pass the resolution of the Comintern on the Macedonian question. This was the first recognition from an official and authoritative international organization that Macedonia had a legitimate claim to independent sovereignty. Then World War II happened, and the ensuing complications and chaos arose. Given those complications and chaos, 
I'm going to keep most of that conflict at arm's length for this narrative. But North Macedonia is in Europe, and World War II happened largely in Europe, so some of it has to get sorted out. So, uh, 1941 through 1945, North Macedonia faced yet another occupier. When the Axis powers moved in, mostly as Bulgarians again, the communist organizers took complete and full advantage of the fascist occupation. They grew their power base and nearly immediately began a vigorous and organized armed resistance to the Germans and Bulgarians. For purposes of our story, all we need to know is that in 1944, there was a coup d'etat right after the USSR declared war on the kingdom. This was exactly the massive social revolution that the Communist Party needed to tip the scales and take power. By October of that year, the newly pro-Soviet Bulgarian government did an about-face and sent about a half a million soldiers into Yugoslavia, and they took part in driving the Germans out to the West. The new communist government in the area was compelled by Soviet Russia to allow for Macedonian unification. But again, I have run out a little bit ahead of the story, so slight rewind. Because in 1941, Vlado wrote down the lyrics for Denas Nad Makedonija as part of the planned resistance against the fascists. The first time the anthem was performed, it was not exactly a public event, but instead kind of a pep talk. On New Year's Eve going into 1942, Vlodo and other revolutionaries had gathered with 11 youths of various ethnicities that all identified as Macedonians in order to prepare them for the armed resistance. We're again met with purposeful poetry and a definite theme in the genre of national anthems. Additionally, Danas Macedonija was written by a guy that thinks really well of his own work. Here's a quote from Vlado himself. Given the opportunity, it is done everywhere so that it does not fall into the eyes. The purpose of New Year's Eve was to gather the youth and in this form to discuss the upcoming armed resistance against fascism. I was also informed about the attacks on the police station in Prilep and the attacks on Kumanovo for the New Year's Eve program. I, Boro Pute, and Dimche Kosharko prepared the song Today Over Macedonia which soon after will become the most popular song in all of Macedonia, and which is maintained as a kind of Macedonian anthem to this day. He was really proud of his work. In a lot of anthems, the poet is absolutely masterful at speaking to the specific crowd of rebels or patriots or revolutionaries or what have you. Molesky's song is no different in this respect. We can hear people's enthusiasm for it in a first-hand account from one of his friends, Nikola Kochaski. I was invited by my friend Joseph Misa to attend New Year's Eve dance at Sotire Shooter's house. When I entered the upper rooms of the house, I was pleasantly surprised by the atmosphere in which the song Today Over Macedonia was being sung, the name of which I learned during the evening. Vlado Molesky played the guitar and sang. He sang the song with admiration and the audience calmly followed him and hummed along. Many nice words were expressed about the song, emphasizing that its content contains all Macedonian history and future. Such a pleasant atmosphere also allowed for a serious conversation when we were informed for the first time about the successes in the war being waged against fascism, as well as the first armed action of the Macedonian fighters with the attacks in Prilep and Kumanovo. It's an almost stereotypical description of the origin of an anthem. That's not a surprise to me anymore that I have read a bunch of this stuff, because revolutionary-minded people 
tend to be people that write revolutionary poems, and they can be really dramatic and passionate about what they're writing. Especially here. Emotions run high when you're fighting for independence while also waging a guerrilla war against the Axis forces in World War II and fighting literal Nazis. The song stuck around and remained popular tuned to play at meetings, but the Macedonian people only sort of got their country after World War II. It ended up as part of a larger Soviet Republic of Yugoslavia. Essentially, just the Kingdom of Yugoslavia run as a communist dictatorship instead of a regular dictatorship. Listeners of a certain age may remember the name Slobodan Milosevic. I think that was in the 90s. Anyway, the Soviet Union did compel Yugoslavia to make Macedonia whole. So in 1946, for the first time, the region that had for more than two millennia had a shared cultural identity had a well-defined region, and they were accepted instead of just occupied. The unofficial regional anthem for the newly delineated Social Republic of Macedonia, or SRM, was none other than Denis Nad Macedonija. The sources sort of just state that the anthem was sung at many state celebrations and events of all kinds throughout, which is kind of the way with an anthem. It becomes part of the background of your culture. They're not really thought about, but they are there. Such is the case with the Macedonian anthem until around 1974. Again, sort of. At that point in history, our poet Vlad had dropped out of law school to take part in the war, but he remained very busy. He became the post-war director of the first radio station to broadcast from within Macedonia called Radio Skopje. You can check out the show notes for a link to stream it and enjoy it, because it still runs today. He had been the editor of three arts and culture magazines, Navden, Savanost, and Razledi. Vlado also joined the diplomatic service for Macedonia, and was at different times the ambassador to Lebanon, Ethiopia, and Poland. The guy also had time to write the first Macedonian movie script and ten books in between 1950 and 1990, with the last being a posthumous publication, since Vlado Moleski, the author of Danes Nad Macedonija, died on September 23, 1984. Like I said earlier, Vlad only sort of got to see his work become an official anthem. In 1974, the SRM added Article 10 to the Constitution, and it stated simply that the Socialist Republic of Macedonia has an anthem. It didn't say what it was. We have to wait until 1989 to get any real mention of the song. With Amendment 24 to Article 10 of the Macedonian Constitution, which replaces the old language with the anthem of the Socialist Republic of Macedonia is Today Over Macedonia. But it does not give an official set of lyrics. We'll get there, but I gotta catch the composer back up again. Post-war Todor founded the Macedonian Philharmonic, as well as became the first director and chief conductor. He did the same with the Macedonian Opera. 1944 was also the year that he actually set Vlado's lyrics to music. Golovsky's resume continues with deputy director of Radio Skopje. He worked with Vlado for a while. Founder of several still-going international music festivals. He was a music teacher and the composer of dozens of prominent pieces of Macedonian music. Todor was especially well-known for his extensive use of folklore motifs. Put another pin in that one. 
our composer lives into the 21st century and didn't die until July 1st, 2004 in Skopje, the capital city of Macedonia. That means that Mr. Skolovsky was around for the complete collapse of European communism. Thankfully, we're only concerned with just a bit of that here. Specifically, September 8th, 1991, when a referendum on independence was held and three-quarters of the population voted with 96% enthusiasm to declare independence from the Socialist Republic of Yugoslavia. An anthem was not named in the Constitution, but they gave themselves six months. A contest was held, but we know what happened. Denustad Macedonia had finally become the national anthem of Macedonia. Independence and an anthem to celebrate it seem like a fitting end to a struggle that began back in the 4th century BCE. Now, my copy of National Anthems of the World, a book that has the music for all of the anthems that I've read about so far, it says to play this song with dignity right at the beginning of the notation. The best I can find is that basically means maestoso, or majestic and stately as a musical direction, so like 88 BPMs if you believe the label on my metronome. Another new music word for me, and not the impression that I got from the song. It felt like a pronouncement, if you recall, I said. So, discussing the music lets me pull the second pin out. I'm remembering them in this one. Now, Skolovsky was well known for folklore-inspired motifs in his music, and similarly to Michelle Navarro, he appears to have stuck with what he knew for his anthem, Danas Nad Macedonia. The music for the anthem is an adaptation of the Bulgarian folk tune Nadazda Balna Legnala. Pardon my pronunciation. It translates as Rafinka has fallen sick, which in turn was adapted from folk tunes that Macedonian soldiers learned on the front in World War II. Personally, I find the combination of stately and folk music to have a real bureaucratic feeling to it. It's not bad music, but it does very little to excite me. Uh, the lyrics are a little confusing because there are different versions of them. I will read out Molesky's original lyrics first, then I will discuss the differences from what the Republic's official website says. As far as I've been able to find, there has never been a quote-unquote official explanation for the lyrical changes, but uh, there are some possible ones, and one that is almost certainly uh, what is going on, and that's what I will mention, because that's what the sources are most strongly confident about. It seems fairly safe to assume that it had something to do with the eagerness of communist governments and governments in general to rewrite history in more of a useful way for them. Now, there are certainly far more egregious history retcons than changing the words to a national anthem, but regardless of the magnitude, I am not a fan of changing history. The difference in tone between the original version and the final official version really strikes me, and I think I know what's going on. In the original version, Molesky was writing and living in a country that felt like, and actually happened to be, about to realize independence. So that affected his feeling, and the official version was adopted in a place that had completed the cultural struggle and come out of it successful. That's, that's what I gather anyway. You draw your own conclusions, and please let me know what they are. Verses 2 and 4 were swapped, so I'm going to compare them in the way that makes sense. Uh, uh, it'll explain when we get there. Again, there's no official explanation for any of the changes, 
but I bet Skolovsky knew, because the current version matches his 1989 arrangement of the song. It seems that it will be an enduring mystery. Onward. The original first verse. Today a new son of freedom is being born over Macedonia. Old, young, male and female rose to their feet. Old, young, male and female rose to their feet. The official. Today over Macedonia is being born the new son of liberty. Macedonians are fighting, fighting for their rights. The original is a call to stand together and rise united. The current is a call to fight for rights. Both versions refer to the synonyms freedom and liberty, as well as the national anthem standby of national birth. The former seems a hopeful opening, and the latter is more forceful and triumphant in tone. The original second verse, the Macedonian mountains are singing loudly. New songs, new newspapers. Macedonians are fighting for their justice. Macedonians are fighting for their justice. The official fourth verse. The forests of Macedonia are singing. New songs, new newspapers. Macedonia is liberated, lives in liberty. Here, I suspect the difference in the first line is a translation choice, because sources I've seen have translated it as mountains, hills, woods, forests, landscapes. And newspapers have been translated as songs, music, versus news, as well as newspapers. The rest has a markedly different tone, though. Originally, they are to fight. And now, Macedonia is liberated, and they close the anthem with the victorious statement that they live in liberty. The original third verse, Again now the flag is flying, the famous Masons rose from the grave. Of the Republic of Krusov. To Gatsi Delchev, Pituguli, Karev, Vlahov, Sandansky, Tugatsi, Delchev, Pituguli, Karev, Vlahov, Sandansky. The official third verse. Now, once again, the flag stands, that of the Khrushchevo Republic. Goche, Delchev, Pituguli, Dame, Gruev, Sandansky. Another national anthem verse that is dense with historical references. So these next few sentences involve a bunch of reading for me. Firstly, it was mentioned at the beginning of the show, but what is the Khrushchevo Republic? It was a very short-lived, as in 10 days long, 1903 uprising. It was created and headed by some of the people mentioned in the rest of the verse. The republic created was very far left for even standards of today. They rejected nationalist rhetoric from minorities and favored a Christian-Muslim alliance in opposition to the Sultanate. And after initially being caught off guard, the Ottoman Empire's forces regrouped and killed everybody involved that they could get a hold of, along with a bunch of innocent people in the town, and they burnt a whole bunch of it to the ground, too. There's no mention in anything I've read about why the line about what I'm assuming are Freemasons was removed. Gatze Delchev and Pitu Guli were both founding members of the IMRO. Pitu was killed during the doomed defense of the Khrushchevo Republic in March 1903, and Gatze was killed in fighting a couple of months later. They are claimed as historical heroes by both Bulgaria and Macedonia, although they both identified as Macedonians. The next two guys that Moleski mentions are Nikola Karev and Dimitar Vlahov, two more very prominent Macedonian revolutionaries. 
Nicola was the head of the provisional government of the Khrushchev Republic, and Dimitar was not involved with that, but he was a decades-long fighter for an independent state. But they were both pulled out of the official version to re be replaced with a man named Dame Gruev. This guy was involved in the IMHO's activity before and immediately after events in Khrushchevo. Then he was ambushed and killed by Turkish forces, the Ottoman Empire again, in 1906. But he plays a substantially minor role compared to the people that he displaced in the anthem. Like I said before, sources indicate that it might be because Karev and Vlahov initially identified as Bulgarian, but then they switched sides to Macedonian, and they never shook that past. The sources don't say that about Dame or the last man mentioned in the anthem, Yane Sandonsky, but I don't understand that about Sandonsky, Sandonsky, uh, because his bio reads like a power-hungry pragmatist that wanted a free Macedonia as a vehicle for a power grab. He had a couple of people in the IMRO killed, and it got him killed, after three unsuccessful assassination attempts, anyway. Molesky seems to have written him in because he bought into the communist narrative that had been run around. This, that this guy was holding the revolutionary together, or something. I, I, it's, it's very tough to follow, but it has something to do with uh, communist history retcon. I understand. That's a lot of information that I gave you all at once. But some anthems are going to have historically dense lyrics that made lots of sense to the people they were written for, and not us. So similarly to Il Canto degli Italiani, Moleski's Denas Mad Nakadonesia would have been very inspiring to the type of communist revolutionary that he was talking directly to. One fun fact before we move on to the last verse. Sandansky was involved in the Miss Stone Affair widely considered to be America's first hostage crisis. He and others kidnapped a couple of Protestant missionaries for ransom to fund the financially flailing IMRO. They received a ransom of 14,000 Turkish gold liras, about $750 in 2023 money. On to the fourth verse, the original. Don't cry, Macedonia, dear mother. Raise your head proudly high. Free, Macedonia. She will live free. Macedonia is free. It will live free. The official second verse. Do not cry, dear Mother Macedonia. Raise your head proudly high. Old, young men and women have risen to their feet. Uh, the first two lines make sense for a national anthem in both versions, and the repeated line in the original seems like exactly the way the thing ought to end. It's really odd that Skalovsky, again, I'm assuming, would change the last lines to what were a line in the first verse and move it to the second verse. I'm, I mean, what he did works for the song, and it doesn't really suffer much for the change, but it seems superfluous at best. Uh, it's another thing that I can't find any information about and seems to be lost to the mists of history. Hopefully I don't have to say that a lot, because we have no idea it can get a little boring after a while. But that's sometimes it, and uh, it is all we have to say about this song, so I'm going to mop it up.
The writing, recording, and production for the show are done by me, and I also wrote slash played the intro slash outro music. The music was used with my permission. Unless otherwise noted, the anthems I play are public domain stuff. My sources and other tasty bits I've found are contained in the show notes. The most direct way to get to those show notes is at anthemspodcast.com. You can find me on Facebook and WhatsApp as The Anthems Podcast. I don't know if I'll ever have the energy to get on the rest of the socials. Uh, you can email me corrections, comments, suggestions, ideas, instructions on how to do awesome things, concerns, and even ask me questions at anthemspod at gmail.com. For better or for worse, I have made it possible to leave me a voicemail at plus one two zero three seven five nine eight three seven five. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Catch you for the next one.